Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker. This episode is powered by Ryan Hawk's new book titled, Welcome to Management, How to Grow from Top Performer to Excellent Leader. This book is sure to inspire leaders around the world. We encourage you to pre-order today. Deck, I finally get to interview with two of my favorite quarterbacks. Since I'm also a Miami University alum and former wide receiver, man, you know I'm always open. Ha <laughs> ha, that's what all you wide receivers say. But hey, Miami was a great time. But let's just hope you don't drop this interview like you dropped those balls. Here you go, taking shots again. But enough about us, man. Ryan Hawk is not only our friend, but the host of the global podcast, the learning leader. Oh yeah. Ryan has also been our mentor during our podcast journey. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me and I appreciate uh, your level of commitment to this, man. It's cool to see the excitement from from both you guys. I'm happy to to try to play a small part in helping out. I think when you, you know, you called us out in the beginning in a good way by saying, you know, most podcasts are going to fail, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, pretty early on. So I think we took that as a challenge and a commitment to you and your commitment to us. So we wanted to hold true to that. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of Ryan Hawk. Um, as a lot of people don't know, you and I have been friends for a very, very long time, probably closing in on 20 years or so. Uh, that means we're getting old. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and with that, you know, if you would have told me 20 years ago, we'd be sitting here reporting, recording a podcast or that you would be, you know, this major influencer in the podcast world. You know, I would have, I would have never believed it um, because you were, you were more of a quiet mm -hmm. and reserved guy. Um, you know, what changed or what kind of transpired for you? Because you went into sales as well mm -hmm. after college, you know, what kind of led you to thinking that you could do something like this or, you know, to opening up being more of an introvert, but having more of kind of the extrinsic, you know, characteristics. Yeah. I think you mentioned it there briefly. Uh, my first job after I got done playing football in college and playing briefly in the arena football league was a telephonic sales job. I had to make 60 to 80 phone calls a day, smile and dial, speak with people who didn't necessarily want me to be calling them and then try to convince them to, to buy our product. And that was very uncomfortable for me initially when I got that job. However, I, I quickly learned that if I uh, attacked it with the same type of work ethic that I did sports, that I did football, namely the chance of success dramatically went up. And so as I started to feel and sense some of that success uh, rising up the stack rankings at LexisNexis where I worked, winning these Circle of Excellence Awards where I could go on these cool trips, I saw some of the benefit in, in reaching and in, uh, I guess getting outside of my natural comfort zone. Um, Throughout the course of that time, I then became got promoted to be a manager. And when you're a manager, then you start having to interview people. I had open positions, um, and I started developing skills in interviewing, understanding how to hire uh, quality talent uh, for my team and for other people's teams that I was helping on projects with. And so, the, if you if you combined that that experience over a number of years, and then combine that fact, com com combine that with the fact that I love listening to podcasts. 
um, I thought, well, what if I reached out to the people I look up to, uh, I can directly ask questions that I have of them, record those conversations, and then and then hopefully other people could learn along with me. I had gotten my MBA and I had considered going back to school to get uh, a further education, perhaps a PhD in, a, in, a, in leadership management, um, and instead elected to say, let's, let's create my own form of a leadership PhD, which then became the Learning Leader Show. And now, um, fortunately, you know, it, it went well pretty early to where we've gotten now 350 plus conversations I've been able to have that are recorded that that you all can listen to and, and hopefully uh, get value from. Now, I want to rewind for a second. Now, when you got done playing, because you played arena ball mm -hmm. after, after you were done, a lot of times there's the transition of once you're done playing sports into a career. I something you know I struggled with. I went into sales um, myself, but didn't know what I wanted to do. What made you realize you wanted to go into sales, or how did that yeah. kind of call all come in? I play? I didn't know. I had I got introduced to uh, a family friend who uh, I had known for many years, and he said, "I'd love for you to work." Uh, for me and in my business. So I, I got the job essentially because of a family friend taking a chance on somebody who he viewed as having high upside, a high ceiling as he, as he called it at the time. Um, because he said, just take your attitude and work ethic and, and put it here. But I'm with you, man. Like I, I vividly remember my last college game. I thought that I was the end of my career. We played against uh, Akron. It was a home game. Both of my parents came to the game, which was rare because my brother was playing at the same time. And normally my parents would split up on Saturdays so that one would go to AJ's games and one would go to mine. And so they were both at mine. One of them was skipping his game. I looked up and saw them I, and had this rush of emotion of this is it, man. I've played football, organized football since the second grade and I'm done and just lost it. Balling, literally balling as I go out to see them on senior day, crying in the locker room before we go out for our first series. It was, it was, and then after the game for hours and hours, I remember all of my extended family were there because I just thought like, I don't know what's next. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is all I've ever wanted to do. And now it's most likely gone. And uh, I think all of us athletes go through this. And I would love to say, well, I had this foresight and this idea. I had nothing, nothing other than just saying, I, I, I hope this gets better. I right. hope it does. And what, what advice, and I don't want to talk too much about student athletes mm -hmm. or whatnot, but what advice would you give someone going through that? I um, First, that it probably will get better. So some patience, um, some foresight, like knowing now looking back, it gets better. The, I would say from a regret perspective, I had a roommate, my left tackle, Dennis Thompson at OU, who was really good about getting involved um, in the community, in the school, building relationships in the business world. I did none of that in college, none. And Dennis was always like wearing suits and ties and meeting people. And now Dennis is a millionaire in San Diego with a beautiful family. Uh, and part of it was because of all the relationships he built. And he's still the same guy and I love him. He was my roommate. Um, but I didn't do any of that. And so I, I do tell college kids when I see them, make an effort to build relationships right now. You're a college athlete. People want to talk to you. They want to see you. I said the same thing to my younger brother when he was playing in the NFL. Like, 
build those relationships now while people still want to talk to you. Right. You have a reason. You have some sort of a platform. And I didn't I didn't do any of that. So that is one thing I, I probably would have changed. And then I tell younger people now to to invest more time doing that. You know, as we continue on on the on the path here of of transitioning from college to your career, I think, at least in my opinion, most people want to know um leaving a fortune 500 a very large employer we oversaw a large group of people large book of business and transitioning to um which you would I'd say maybe your true north or your passion to go to the learning leader and now that's evolved um i think that's the biggest question i would think from our listeners is you know what what went through that decision why did you take that risk and what were maybe some of the folks uh that your close advisors say about it yeah. Uh, just through that process. Yeah. So to set the stage, I uh, had that sales job, then was a manager, then got promoted to a director role. While as a director is when I started the Learning Leader Show. Um, got promoted one more time to, to 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 be vice president of North American Sales at a company called Elsevier, which is the sister company of LexisNexis, where I started. Both owned by the same parent company. Uh, big responsibilities. We were responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, but I was presented with an opportunity from Doug Meyer, the founder and uh, owner of, of Brixie and Meyer, the firm where uh, I work now. And Doug came to me with an idea saying, we want to be able to provide better service to our current clients and also have the opportunity to reach more clients. My idea is for you to take what you're now doing on the side, invest 100% of your time podcasting, uh, keynote speaking, running these leadership circles, what we call them now, which are essentially paid mastermind groups, some one-on-one advising. What if you just invested all of your time on that and we'll support you, we'll be patient with you, we'll make sure we take care of you um, because we think long-term it will benefit us and you. What do you think? And that was just too good of an opportunity for me to pass up to say, I get to spend every day doing what I want. Now, it's still really hard work. I have to provide value to people or they're not gonna pay for any service that I may provide. So it's still work. It's just, it's not a job though. It's it's being able to work doing the things you love all the time. And I just think that is, um, I'm very fortunate to have that opportunity. And, and, sec- and two, as a dad, as both you guys know, I think we feel this responsibility to show your kids that anything is possible and that there is no set path that they have to go on. Like you go to college and you get this job and you stay at a company and you do that. And even if you get promoted a lot, you just stay there. I I see kind of the look in their eye as they're trying to piece together what I do and then how did that even come about? There was no job Doug did not hire me. We didn't be, decide to become business partners. There was no like list job listing. We created it out of nothing. And I want them to see that that is possible. Like you can create your life's work um, by pre, by by providing value to other people. And I think that's pretty cool. And we're still just scratching the surface. We're at the very beginning of this happening, uh, barely two years in. But it's um it's it's been a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, and can you give uh, someone that has is not aware yeah. of the learning leader, you know, just a quick uh, snippet of sure. what you're doing, how you're doing it, what your mission is there? Yeah, so it, it all started from the podcast, the Learning Leader Show, which now is about going on five years old, three hundred fifty plus episodes. 
um, by the time I think this, How many this, countries? this comes out. So there's listeners, 156 countries, been fortunate to then. And so that's the, the foundation of everything. So every piece of work, meaning like paid work that I do has come from people who listen to the show. So it started there. It started as a hobby, as something I did for fun. Um, and it's still something I do for fun, but it's not a hobby anymore. It's part of my full-time work. And then off of the show is how all of these other opportunities got created. Speaking, um, advising with leaders of businesses, running our leadership circles, workshops. We have about six or seven different streams of revenue that we're, that we're, we're currently actively working on. And, and now it's, it's all, um, growing. And I think that's, uh, it's pretty cool because before there was, there was none of that. Like as I had a full-time job, I would get asked to come speak at places and I would take PTO vacation days and go and do those on the side. But at one, at some point that gets to be, well, you know, more requests were coming in, but I had a job. And so it also, it, it doesn't always perfectly jive when you have a job yet. Maybe somebody sees these pictures on social media of you on a stage saying, that has nothing to do with your job. That has something to do with your hobby. And so that was another another reason why I'd rather do kind of the hobby, the fun stuff all the time as opposed to just some of the time. Yeah, I do have one request for your website. There's some guy, my partner over here, that's right in the middle of there. We need to it's somehow- beautiful dude. That shiny head needs to get off. That <laughs> right, shiny head in the middle of that uh, that workshop. Strategic, to, wasn't it? All, so every once in a while though, so he's at, he, Calvin was at our workshop last year. You get these pictures that look like stock photos, like the great <laughs> smiles from four people in a row. You know, it just looks like one of those perfect stock photos, but it's not. It's a real picture from a real workshop that we did, and Calvin happens to be right smack in the middle of it. See, I was hoping he he, <laughs> he was going to take the initiative. He goes, yeah, Ryan placed me. I was like, well, Calvin, you're supposed to lead by example. You should have been front and center. So I was giving him crap about I walked in. I said, where leadership. am I sitting? He said, right there. I said, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so I want to go back because I know you've talked about, we talked about this a little bit and I know you have kind of talked about a lot of times on your show, uh, the side hustle. Mm -hmm. And this is what this started as. And you said you still currently record in your basement. Yeah. Take us back to that first time you had to record. And obviously I know you hadn't released it yet, but mm -hmm. what was that like when you had to sit down and do that first recording and what was kind of going through your mind in that entire process? So <laughs> I don't know if you guys have this feeling, but it still happens to me from time to time. I actually was hoping my guest wouldn't show up. <laughs> I secretly thought, you know, if he doesn't show up, then I won't mess this up. But he did. Episode one is Jason Gaynard, who's become a good friend. I've had him on a few times, and I've been to some of his, his events. That was honestly my feeling, and I, that still happens every once in a while because I, I get nervous. I mean, I, I think that's how you know you really care. Like I, I have this sense of now of upholding to a, a standard that I think is really high. Um, but I had those same feelings initially. So it was a combination of being nervous, of being uncertain, of probably being a bit of a copycat of other hosts that I had listened to. Um, and when I listen back to that, those episodes now, those first ones, I think they sound terrible. However, in the, in those moments, I did start receiving some feedback that wasn't awful from people that was that that I, I wasn't asking they were just uh, proactively giving it to me which I, I thought well, okay that 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 is honest feedback so I think it, it was more helpful once I had released it and started hearing from people that were listening that they thought it was actually good that gave me more confidence and now it's to the point where while I still get nervous just it's it's more out of a sense of this high um 
feeling of responsibility to the people listening that I want, that I know they're committed to listening. Like you mentioned, Kyle, Monday mornings on the Stairmaster, that you're counting on that show, my show, to provide value to you as someone who's leading a business that's responsible for thousands of people. Man, what a what an awesome responsibility, and I feel. Um, I feel that. And so that's, that's part of it now as, as I look forward and, and, and from looking back that it's, um, it's wild ride, man. It's pretty cool though. And, and as avid listeners, we appreciate your preparation. You know, I think the content you bring and you're quoted as the greatest medicine for fear, for fear is preparation. Mm-hmm. Can you go through your meticulous process as we've had the ability that others haven't to see that process? You are when I say meticulous, meticulous and very in depth, mm-hmm. can you go through how you that that methodology of fighting your fear for a podcast? Mm-hmm. So or a keynote or anything? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah, a broad question. And there are there are similarities there certainly. So from a podcast perspective, it starts with the guest. I have to be obsessively curious about that person. If not, then it's not worth it. The the, the prep, I, I won't want to prep. But most of them, I, I've i been preparing for years in some cases. I've read their books. I've watched their TED Talks. I've, I've read all the articles about them. So as then, let's say I book a guest. From that point forward until the day, then it's an obsessive amount of reading about that person. Not only what they've written, but what others have written about them. I try to see if there's any quotes from family or close friends to see an outside perspective. Maybe people have talked about them. I want to see that too. I'll obviously watch any, any video that is posted online about them. Um, read every potential article written by them or about them. And then I I think of topics and areas that I want to cover with that particular guest. Is this more focused on the person or more focused on what the person's content topic is. There are two different types of interviews, two different types of conversations. And I make those choices before it starts, but also know I may have to adapt in the moment and shift gears that, wait a second, I thought we were going to talk more about content. This person's actually really interesting. We're shifting. I'm going to talk more about them. And that's just kind of in the moment happening in real time of saying they're more interesting than I had imagined. Their content still is great, but we're going to talk more about them. So I think then it's just figuring that out because as you you listeners, you guys know, there are some where the person is just a vehicle for their research, for their content. And it's not necessarily about them. It's about what they write about or what they study. And then there are other guests where it's just about them. It's, it's about their story and what they're all about. And it's, it's I think it's just understanding how to balance that and knowing what I think can provide the most, most value for the people who are listening, as well as following my own curiosity. Man, like I said, that's the reason why you're a mentor. I mean, that's enough. So if you're listening, um, what he's saying is true. Like we said, we've seen the notes. And, and <laughs> one thing I, I, yeah. I think is, is great to mention is a skill set that I, I'm going to work on that mm-hmm. you challenge is, if you guys could see him write notes while he interviews, that is a special a skill talent. set. I asked him how how do you how do you do that, and there is some some strategic initiatives that you could maybe place to help you help do that. But you, you just have a natural skill set. Um, see, I didn't know you in college, but to hear that you were kind of a shy, quiet guy, you know, I think that's great for someone to to learn mm-hmm. because anyone that's listening that thinks that they couldn't do something like a podcast because they may have not been outspoken or been there. And like I said, to see you speak, not only at now you're at live events, your, mm-hmm. your whole evolution 
Um, so maybe speak upon that, like going from podcasts, and I've seen that. Now you've done yeah. live podcasts or live interviews mm-hmm. with with um, like John Calpari, Michael Lombardi, to now keynote speaking. You're recently uh, doing an event for a company up in Cedar Point. Like, how has your game evolved? Yeah, I think one of the things my dad told me early in my career is that if you can develop the ability to speak from a stage. Uh, that could be as valuable to anything that you will do, whether it's getting up at, at a staff meeting with senior level leaders and you can uh, be an effective communicator of sharing the vision, sharing what your team's strengths and weaknesses are, your idea for the future, how you're going to innovate. Like Being an effective communicator, both written and spoken, is such a valuable skill to develop. That's partially why I started the show. I thought it would make me it would force me to become a better communicator. Then once the show started hitting and people seemed to really like it, that's when the request started coming to go on stage. And then I had to formulate, what am I going to say? What does the audience need to hear? How can I provide value to them in a live setting? And I, you know, at the beginning, like most of us, I probably wasn't very good, but good enough to get asked to keep doing it. But uh, you know, looking at the film of those, they're they're terrible. But there are moments, there are little bits and pieces that are that are that are okay. And um, that was again the fuel to say, well, I think I could get better. I think I could develop the skill. And it's just an it's just an evolution that I try to be better every single time I get up on stage. And um, I have you know a speaking coach. I film um, all of them if possible. He watches them with me, provides me with notes, and can say, you know, maybe we tweak this, maybe maybe you you rearrange this. Um, in this moment, it felt like you didn't know the material as well as you knew this other moment. Why is that? Let's analyze that. So it's just like when we played sports, right? That we got better because we watched the film of every practice, certainly of the games. This is what you did wrong. This is how you could improve. I take the same approach. I, you know, just just finished writing my first book. I wrote it with a coach who would then analyze my writing, ask me what I was thinking, uh, try to help me develop ideas for the future, and then help me edit it as well. Same thing with speaking. They're they're, they're going to tell me this was good. This was good. Let's work on this. And uh, I love coaching. I think we all need coaches. I think we all need feedback. I found that to be a commonality among the guests that I have on my show. You look at them and say, well, they, they've got it all figured out. And they'll say the opposite. No, I need help. I have my board of advisors that are helping me on a regular basis. So I try to, to, I try to take what I've learned from them and implement it into my life. And I would, I, I mean, I think that's key right there because if someone as an outsider looks at you, they're like, Ryan has it all figured out. And I think that's, that's critical for you to kind of talk about that because you don't have it all figured out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, who does? I, I've yet to meet somebody. I think we're all a work in progress. We're all kind of building the plane as we fly. I, I think that that is an aspect of me now building a business with certainly with incredible support but nobody's telling me what to do or what I should do next. It's just kind of trying to figure it out as we go. You experiment and then you reflect on those experimentations and saying what worked, what didn't, what should we keep doing, what should we stop. That's that's the natural evolution. I think that's fun. I, I, I love being able to analyze that, t- testing out 
stories from stage did that hit did that work you know i've, I've started hiring um video guys who actually film the audience of my speeches to see and then i can i i time that up with what i said and then look at how they respond did they laugh did they nod their head did they pull out their phone to take a picture of the slide did they you know what are they doing and then i know that really connected with them let's make sure i keep that in so i think it's it's just an evolution we're constantly learning as we go just to make sure we get better and better and better Wow. I mean, that's next level. In my opinion, you're watching the interactions of your audience in there. I mean, that's just, once again, you're so engaged in your, your content and your craft and your distribution of your, your message. Um, kudos to you. So a lot of respect for that. Let's, I want to talk about you becoming an author. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, once again, the evolution of Ryan Hawk, as we started off, how, how you got to this point, let's talk about writing a book, mm -hmm. you know, how, how, the process when you committed to say, okay, hey, I've been on the speaking side of things and I'm really evolving that and obviously perfecting my craft, but now I want to attack being an author. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit about your book and that whole process. Yeah, so it's it's certainly the most mentally taxing thing I've ever gone through. Where it started was after you come off stage or you get emails from listeners, they'd say, where's the book? Where's your book? Why have you not written a book? No pressure. So you get that question enough, which I I. I, 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 I'm happy that people are requesting that, but I think so, I've had mentors tell me, listen to what the market is telling you. So when the market t tells me that, then maybe I should think about it. Then once I made the commitment to do it, I uh, reached out to previous podcast guests who had written New York Times bestselling books. And I said, let's let teach me the process from the very beginning of your first book. Okay, it starts, if you wanna have it traditionally published like I did, because I thought that was a challenge, because anybody now can just go to Amazon and publish anything you want. I wanted to do it the traditional way at least one time just to see what it's like, the old-fashioned way that you, you, go, you go through. First, try to get a literary agent. See if you can impress somebody enough by, by, by writing a proposal that is compelling that a, a, a top literary agent would wanna take. Then once you get that, they'll help you more craft that proposal, and then you take it to sell to publishers. And so I hired someone to help me write the, the, um, uh, the proposal. Then once we got that crafted well enough, I shopped it to different agents. And Jim Levine, who's known as one of the best literary agents in the world, fortunately said, yes, I'd like to represent you. Once then he helped me craft the proposal and tweak it a little bit, as well as some other authors. <clears throat> we then shopped it. I was fortunate to have a few offers and decided to sign with Casey Ebro from McGraw-Hill because Casey, she, the first conversation, I remember I was driving home from Chicago. I had an event I was doing up there. I was driving home. We talked for about 90 minutes. She's got it. She sensed kind of the things I was thinking about. The book is a combination of experience. I write about my experiences uh, as an athlete, uh, my experience in the corporate world, specifically that leap from individual contributor to manager, because I think it's the biggest leap we make in our careers. And then, and then obviously what I've learned from my podcast guests, those are really the three areas that we try to help people to become more effective leaders and, and hone in on that one leap in your career, because I think it's an underserved market. So that's what we're focusing on. And that's what I've been writing about. And then we wrote, uh, I would write every single day, every morning, I'd light my candles, I'd wake up before my family, I'd sit there, I would type a minimum of 500 words until I got up to about 77,000 words. I, I hired then an editor, we edited it um, before I even sent it to my official editor uh, at McGraw-Hill, then we turned it in, 
about 66,000 words. And right now the manuscript is about 65,000 words and will come out January, 2020. That's a, what is it? What is the book going to be called? Uh, we're, uh, it's, it's, still? It's, it's, we're, we're still deciding. It will be focused though on that leap from individual contributor to manager. So it'll be around leadership management. Well, we'll definitely, um, you know, keep a pulse and we'll definitely make sure to distribute the name and uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. All your other work has, has been great. As I said, uh, I've, I've been vocal to you and I think for many of the others, I'll speak upon our listeners that have engaged with you or our company is, uh, you know, you've changed lives, you know, I want you to know that and, 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 you know, so keep, keep driving forward, um, you know, as you're going now, kind of changing gears a little bit, um, what's next? I know, I know that, uh, you know, what's next in Ryan. So now you've, you've done all these in the life of Ryan Hawk, you, you are, uh, you know, killing it out there. Love it. You know, you're, you're doing a lot of great things. What, what do you, what is the next, what's the next piece of, um, it's hard to know exactly. I think I am doing a combination of listening to what people want. Uh, what I've really found is, uh, my leadership circles are something that I think we're going to grow. Um, I have two of them now. I also have people who have expressed interest in leading their own with me kind of certifying slash helping them where, uh, we have these people who call themselves learning leaders who want to be a part, be, they want to surround themselves with, with growth oriented people. Perhaps they work at a big company and feel like there is there, they don't have that in their life. And so that's one area that we're going to grow. And it's, there's, it's going to be the, the leaders and the teachers, there'll be more of them other than just me. I think the book will probably, um, change some of the demand as well, hopefully in a positive way, which what we're expecting. Um, but I'll continue speaking. I'll certainly continue having dynamic conversations on the podcast. We'll continue running our leadership circles. We'll run workshops once or twice a year. And I'll, I'll be advising the handful of, of leaders one-on-one that I, I get a lot of joy out of that as well. I think it's, it's doing more of that and probably adding people to the team here in the very near future to that, love that mission and believe in it that have people have expressed interest to want to be a part of it and saying, what can I do? How can I help? How can we actually create like this life for me? Um, so I've had some initial conversations with a few people about that too, that I anticipate probably happening in the near future. And probably cutting the cord with uh, black and Decker here on the underdog. Probably like, okay, no, enough time spent with you guys. I only have, <laughs> I, love, I, love, I don't know where you have. Time I love to. spending time with you. Guys. I think, it, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think it's been cool. Like, you know, in all, all all seriousness, I mentioned this before, but when you see the commitment, the consistency, the care, that is unique, and I I'm inspired by that, and so that's why it excites me to see you guys put so much effort into it, and makes makes me uh, just want to play any potential role that I can. Yeah. Do you still see the learning leader? Um, and sustaining excellence. Um, do you, does that still drive you? Is that still a passion of yours? Yeah. I mean, I think people say, doesn't, aren't you kind of getting tired of the, the, the podcast? Cause you've done 300, whatever plus of them now. And it's, it's, it's truly the opposite, man. Like I get more excited. I still have those nerves. I get more excited about doing, we're doing more live shows in front of live audiences. So that kind of amps it up. It forces me to be, cause some people think, you'll say, well, we don't really edit the show, but when you're sitting in the audience and you see it happening in real time, you can't edit live stuff. So then they actually get the feel and sense 
oh, this is this is just, it sounds exactly like the podcast. I'm just sitting in the room while it's being recorded. I love that. So we'll do more of that type of stuff. We have some of those already on the calendar. Like you said, I got to go to the final four with Coach Cal and, and Mike Lombardi. And and I'm going to do that again next year with, with different guests at the final four. And I, there's other events like that because of that one that I've been asked to do. So, I mean, there'll be more live stuff, more interaction with people like where I can see their eyes. I love that too. I think that's the next natural progression as well. I got a question for you because you've been quoted to say leading a life of excellence. What does that mean to you? Excellence um, first means you have to value excellence. So, so like you almost have to take a step back of you have to value consistency. You have to value work ethic. You have to value caring. You have you have to value showing up and working every day. Like that's how I think you lead to sustaining excellence. Part of it is simply showing up and doing the work and valuing a high level and paying attention to the tiny details. Those are really important to me because I am a firm believer of how you do anything is how you do everything. And that's what excellence is to me in everything that we do, building relationships, creating valuable content that helps other people, seeing it light someone else up and, and changing lives, like you mentioned, Kyle, and doing something that actually impacts them. All of those things embody excellence to me that it's, it's, again, we're on this path to sustain that, to grow, to, to, to try to get better myself that hopefully then can help other people get better. So there's a lot there, um, but that's, that's kind of how I think about it. Where do you struggle there? Um, that's a good question. Where do I struggle? I mean, I think there's, there, there's struggles constantly. I think when I see, sometimes we all fall into the trap of comparing yourself to others even though that's a message I stress to other people and, and teach to others, we all fall into that from time to time. Where I'll, for example, like I talked to Shane Snow, who's I think one of the best writers I've ever read. And I'll say, Shane, when I read your work, it almost makes me not wanna write. Cause I, I, I'm, I just can't, I can't compare. Like it's just not as good. And he says, it's funny you should say that. When I read Tim Urban's work, another guest I had on my show, it makes me not wanna write. And he goes, it's just a futile ex- attempt at even living life. Don't do that. Don't, you know, you have your unique style, grow and develop and em- embrace that. Don't worry about my style or Tim's style or anybody else's. That is something that I still though, it's a, it's a, it's probably a daily struggle. I'll hear or I'll watch Anthony Bourdain. We talked about him on TV and just hear how he gets to these levels of depth in his interviews and think, I don't know if I could ever be that good. And that for a brief moment, you're thinking, oh, that's a bummer, man. And and then it's like, no, don't worry about it. Like take the things you can learn from an Anthony Bourdain, implement that, try some things out, and then just do you. And be, be yourself while learning from others. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to your previous self um, and strive to get better and better. And I, I that's the self-talk I have to regularly um, put in my own mind because it's, it's hard. Yeah. And I think you teach that to us, you know, from a mentorship, you said, cause we've always said, uh, we want to be like, yeah. you know, the learning leader or be like Ryan Hawk and, yeah. and you've been 
you know, forthright in that. So I think you're living that, but you're also teaching it, which is great. It's so hard. we all do you know, it's, it. But it's hard. Like you said, yeah, you have to self talk because I'm sitting there on the stair step on Monday morning and then we're about to shoot an episode. I'm like, man, he is so good and, and I'm so bad. And what do you, and, and, <laughs> and you haven't heard like some of our early episodes, like our, we, when we, before we did a pre recording intro. But my man right here was Ryan Hawk on point. It was <laughs> welcome to the underdog. And I'm, but, uh, well, but, but you could even hear the, the, <laughs> the evolution of the intro. Listen to early, some of my earlier ones. I'm like, who is that guy? You know, and then right. you hear listen now. But I mean, you just you try stuff out. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You, yeah. And, and uh, you know, and it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's not like we're we that you're who we listen to. You yeah, know? yeah, you've been our mentor. So, I mean, it's people got on Michael Kobe Bryant for trying to be like Michael Jordan. But at the end of the day, like, right. It Sometimes works. like I'm envious. I listen to Brian Koppelman. It's one of the first podcasts I listen to. And this is his intro. Hey, this is the moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. That's it. Every single time. I'm like, wow, maybe I should do that. <laughs> like I do the opposite. of <laughs> So it's just, it, I don't know. Right. You, you, it's, it's hard not to compare and contrast from yeah. time to time. But I think from a business perspective, something I've learned, and I think this is a takeaway for anyone that's listening, you're hearing it from Ryan's line of business in our line of business. That's how I've kind of emulated our business and had some successes. I respect our competitors or respect, you know, their body of work, take what they do best and then incorporate it mm -hmm. into our game. And I think that's your recommendation to us. And then what you're continuing to do, because it's impossible for us to be Ryan Hawk, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, you know, we have a lot of respect. You're raising that temperature up. Like you said, like, Hey, I'm pushing the ball forward in this and we, and I want to help others along to to hopefully increase the quality of content in this industry of, of podcasting vice versa same with us in staffing or any other industry is i think the leaders of those industries are doing what you're doing and we appreciate that that's great advice but anyone listening you know you can't necessarily be michael jordan but if you're lebron james you know you're going to emulate some of those characteristics mm -hmm. and you should mm -hmm. you know but you you can't just be michael jordan you can't be chasing a ghost that you'll never be you need to be the best you can be so I think that's great advice for anyone um, that's listening. I had a friend named Todd Henry who's been on my show a few times, and Todd said, cover bands don't change the world. Uh, you have to find your voice. And that has been great advice for me, especially in writing a book and speaking on stage. Cover bands can have a decent career, make a little bit of money, but they're not going to change the world. So you do have to find your unique voice. You have to have a point of view, believe in it, be willing to change your mind from time to time as new evidence presents itself. So I, I, I remember that advice on a regular basis if perhaps I'm a little bit scared because it's always easier uh, just to be like a reference source instead of having a point of view. And I, I think I've leaned, tried to lean more into having a point of view and I've learned that from other people. Yeah, I used to be, this is the Underdog Podcast. I am Kyle Decker. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I don't know why I do that, but it just kind of happens. No, it's great. And I love it. But I, I tried to emulate, and they're like, Kyle, just be you, man. Be you, man. Just be you, just man. Be you. I think this is a we got to start it, though. Hey, Ryan Rapid Fire. Let's, Ryan we Rapid got some Fire. Questions for oh, you, you have questions. We got some Rapid You did fire. not tip me off. Thanks, man. Did, 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 <laughs> I hope I. Hope I all right, let's go. Better Centerville quarterback. This is where you went to high school in Dayton, Ohio. Kirk Herbstreet or Ryan Hawk? Oh, man. You know who the best one's going to be is he's going to be a sophomore right now. His name's Chase Harrison. I'm working with Chase a little bit. He's still a cover band. Chase is good, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, he's going to be a good, good player. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Kirk was an All-American. I was not. But I did break all his records. <laughs> There's a newspaper article that says you're four and he's five. So don't be modest. All right. All Hawk right. is the winner. Better overall tradition, Ohio University or Miami University? 
Miami has the cradle of coaches, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's probably Miami. We 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 wanted to make sure we got a Miami answer yeah. out of you. So, <laughs> you know, when I, I posted that uh, picture or the picture of the the jersey you guys got me, and a couple of my OU guys were like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and I just told them like, "I can, you know, I can love more. It's it's not it's like I have one wife, and I that's she, I love her, but I can have two schools. Hey, right, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Better analysts: Pat McAfee or AJ Hawk." <laughs> these are, hey, Jay, are you these listening? Are no win questions <laughs> you know he knows how much so i love it when they do a game together so i hope to do more games together i think i think though overall uh aj is better all right yeah and for those that know pat mcafee's comedian and i love pat though former punter i and I, I i really admire what he's built for i mean he's just a punter what he's built the brand he's on thursday nights on espn He's got the zone stuff, his own podcast. He left Barstool. I mean, props. I think he's kind of setting a path that a lot of athletes will try to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it for mm -hmm. the brand, he's especially great. being a, a holder and a specialist myself. I was a holder too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more respect to the special, special specialist. specialist. The special. So he's, he's bringing. He's bringing the brand, uh, <laughs> helping a helping a special team guys out. So, better author, James Clear or Jim Collins. Oh, I think it's like the Tom Brady has done it for longer. So that's that's a Jim Collins. James is like Mahomes, the new guy who's only got one book out, but it's crushing it. All credit to him. So I think it's like the Tom Brady versus Mahomes comparison where Brady's sustained it over time like Jim Collins has. And James is the Mahomes who could end up being better. We'll see. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Best golfer. Do you golf? Uh, a couple times a okay, year. So I didn't put you in this. Okay, good. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, A.J. Hawk, or Jordy Nelson? Uh, so we played together this year. I caddied for A.J. at the North American Century Tournament. Uh, Aaron uh, won. So he is, and I think he consistently would win if they played regularly. He, and to his credit, because I think him and A.J. were similar levels four or five years ago. Uh, to Aaron's credit, he worked hard at his game and improved. Uh, and AJ is a golfer like me where we just go a couple times a year. So it's harder to get great at it if you don't work at it. What is it like to have, because not many people can relate to this, to have a younger brother who has played professional football but also has been afforded the chance to win a Super Bowl? What was that experience like for you as a brother? I just, I, I mean, we as a family, I think, just feel unbelievably fortunate i mean the packers happened to have a bad year when he was going into the nfl draft they got the fifth overall choice they pick him we get to spend nine years going to lambo as our home field i mean how good is that like just we just feel immense gratitude luck um and then to his credit of you know the hardest working tied for my wife as the hardest working person that I've ever met um, has absolutely maximized everything like every gift he's been given he's he's maximized it and so as a as a as a brother it's just this immense pride I think in seeing what he's been able to accomplish as well as stay humble um, and be a good husband and a good dad throughout that entire process um, and now you know on to the next phase he's still a really young guy uh, working on the next part of his life which will 
play, which will be more years than he was a football player, right. which is crazy to think about. So that's the next the next thing is that we 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 talk about more now, and that's husband dad okay what are we going to do for work um doesn't need to make money but but needs to have a purpose and those are things we talk about and last question before we transition back what is the, i've seen pictures of lambeau field and going to going to a game you've been you haven't been i haven't been mm-hmm. but i know the weather is absolutely awful at times in the winter yeah yeah have, have you gone what, have you had some terrible oh, yeah. experience they played support the, him they played the I, I, w- I still wouldn't say they're terrible. We've got we've frozen negative thirty eight wind chill. <laughs> they played Eli and the Giants. Remember Tom Coughlin had the really red face in that NFC t- Championship game. We were at that game. We went to Chicago the year they won the Super Bowl. Um, we sat up high for that one. My dad and I sat side by side, freezing cold. But Lambeau, it's just it's such a special place, though, yeah. man. Like I, I remember, we tried to. Im- remember how lucky we were every time we went to a game and my dad my my mom went to more of them than i did um but every time you'd walk in you would see a person who was there for the first time and the way like these grown men crying literally because they're 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 checking off something from their bucket list of walking in saying like i i can't believe i'm here and we were sitting in these prime seats i mean right. just so so lucky it was awesome yeah. really cool and while we're talking about your family quick shout out i think you know something you you, you talk behind the scenes on is you know your family upbringing with your dad keith mm-hmm. i think obviously your mom uh judy uh who now they're both living the dream as you say mm-hmm. but uh great people it sounds like your brother matt and then mm-hmm. obviously you're just talking upon you know aj but uh, and your wife Miranda, it's like the Hawk Dynasty. I'm gonna start <laughs> like the the New England Patriots of a family, like, and then five daughters. Yeah, I mean, just, <laughs> you know, so you know the Hawk family doing big things uh, on and off the field, obviously. So um, more power to you guys there. But the one thing I did find interesting was that your parents were a big uh, race car or Indy car, like in 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 uh, none of you guys end up you all like football players or different mm-hmm. things. What happened? Uh, no, no Indy car racing that, for. Yeah, so that started with my grandpa, uh, my dad's dad. Uh, AJ was named after AJ Foyt, the race car driver. My grandpa was a race car driver, um, but uh, you know, at one point had a really bad accident that 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 had injured my 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 grandma, his wife, and at that point stopped racing, but still loved it. You know, they'd go to the time trials, the Indy Five Hundred, every single year. Um, and so my dad was brought up in that and, and, and as a kind of an homage to his dad, my grandpa, who's, who's still with us, um, named, named him Aaron James, but they called him AJ, uh, from birth because of AJ Foyt. So yeah, it was all about, about race car drivers there. So I try, I try to do my inner Ryan Hawk and do my, my research on like you, Mr. Blackman that relies on your high school days, but, um, <laughs> we won't, we won't go there, but you know, to, as we conclude, um, the one last question I wanted to end with was um, what would some major takeaways, 350 plus episodes, all these things, what are, you know, I know this is a broad question, but what are, what's something that anyone that's listening um, that you could say, Hey, do these three things to sustain excellence as you talk about, or continue to become a, a learning leader. What are maybe a couple items, three things or five things that mm-hmm. you could offer them as a takeaway um, that you've learned that are, are characteristics? Yeah, I think uh, one is uh, I would ask you, you guys and listeners, what is your operating framework, your daily mode of operation? 
And if you don't have one, I would put one together. And for me, what I've gathered from all of my guests and how what I've put together is that I think I should do four things every single day. First, I should be a consumer. I should intake information to learn. I should read. I should watch TED Talks. I should listen to podcasts. I should meet with mentors. I should be a consumer of information. That's part one. Two, I should experiment and test with what I've consumed. So if I read this, I need to then go take that and put it to action. I can't just be a learner. I need to be a doer. The third part of that stage is that I need to take a step back and I need to reflect. I need to analyze with what I've consumed and what I've experimented with to say, does that work? Did it not work? Should we keep doing it? Should we stop doing it? And then fourth, which I think perhaps may be the most important is I need to teach. I need to share what I've learned with other people. Because if you think about those moments in your life when you've either had to be the mentor in a mentor-mentee relationship where you're meeting with somebody, maybe you're a guest lecturer at a university, you're sharing, you're a guest on a podcast, you wanna provide value to that person or that audience. And so because of that, and especially if you're like me, a normally productively paranoid type person, as Jim Collins would say, you're going to prepare like crazy for that moment, for that time on stage, for that mentoring-mentee uh, meeting. And in that process of preparing for that moment, you're going to learn. So that's why it's it's a four-part four framework that this is a good day. This is what I should be doing. I should be a consumer. I should test. I should experiment. I need to be a doer. But I also need to be thoughtful. I need to be reflective. What worked? What should I keep doing? And then I need to share that with other people. I need to have a point of view. I need, I need to let other people know what I think, what I believe based on on those first three parts of this circular uh, process for me. And I've, I've created that for myself over the course of all of these conversations because I've seen from others that they have a, a, a way that they've deemed is an optimal way to operate, a framework for them that they believe in. And for, it, for, for me, that's it. Well, thank you for sharing that framework. That is, I think, very resourceful. And for those that want to engage uh, with the different content you release, can you provide some of uh, those ways to, ways to connect? If you're on your phone, text learners to 44222. Easiest way, you can get directly in contact with me very quickly texting learners to 44222 or my website's learningleader.com and pretty much everything I do is there. Yeah, and we're, we've already agreed that it's going to get edited with his faces coming off your website. <laughs> so we've already, if that's anything, hey, if anything I happened, I like, I chose, I, I picked it. I, I, hey, hey, that's the picture. That's the brotherhood uh, hey. right there, Centerville. Yeah, after hey. the high school Dayton. football fight, you guys are friends now. So <laughs> we I didn't see. fight each other. We have respect. We yeah, got a little, right. uh, there was a Centerville CJ brawl during seven on seven. The guys listening who were part of that know. We strapped it up and got after it for a little bit, and sometimes that's what happens. And uh, Made that's the bond stronger. That's life. Yeah. Well, on behalf of the Underdog Podcast, myself and Calvin, the team here, thank you so much for your time. You know, as we learned, obviously time is precious for you, and we appreciate you stepping away from your other businesses to to be involved with us, and and more importantly, to mentor. Um, and and continue success. We're rooting for you. We're going to continue to share your content, and uh, you you've you've changed my life. Um, for sure, and I've become a better person and, and, and a better mindful um, thought process. I've stopped talking as much, and I hopefully I've asked better mindful questions. Yeah. But um, through this process, once again, I'm very thankful and appreciative, and, and uh, thanks for joining the underdog. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your your level of prep, man. It means a lot, and it's obviously it's it's noticeable. So thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.